0: so this is going to be episode seven righteous and rebellious um i love jesus y'all but i cuss a little bit and i love jesus but i like to drink some wine sometimes too we could think of a million possible ways to say this but it boils down to one simple truth you can be a rebel and love jesus after all jesus was a rebel Look at the disciples he chose. Look at the houses that he was entertained at. Look at the lineage he came from. When you start daring diving in deeper and begin to have a personal relationship with Christ, I've talked about Jesus high and drunk. He's been my best friend in the wells are on the mountaintops. The further in the trenches I dug, the closer Jesus sat to me. I started i stared demons in the face, literal demons, not just the boogeyman that goes bump in the night, but the kind of demon that starts from the inside and deconstructs every single piece of you a fragment at a time. Until you're laying broken and bleeding on the floor, not knowing where to begin putting yourself back together. I grew up in a small town, America. I was poor. My grandmother adopted me when I was a few weeks old. She has always been my mama and that will never change. I'm very thankful she gave me a life and that I never have had to grow up, I'm sorry, I would have never had to grow up with two grown-ups who were very much irresponsible people headed down a very dark path. When I was about eight or nine years old, I was sitting in front of the television late one night and saw the face of my biological dad in an orange suit, his hands handcuffed, to his waist. His name was Sammy Lewis Smith. He tied a woman in her bed, raped her, and viciously stabbed her 14 times. He was sentenced to prison in 1985, Lubbock Online reports. Sammy Smith was convicted in 1985 of capital murder for the rape and murder of a Lubbock housewife. In October of 1984, according to court records, Smith admitted to the crime some two weeks after it occurred witnesses said he had been working for a pest control company that had a contract to provide spraying services for a group of i guess duplexes where the victim lived although the prosecution offered statements from witnesses that smith said he was a hot-blooded man who needed sex more often than his wife and was willing than, than what his wife was willing to have the texas court of criminal appeals in october of 1989 changed the sentence to life on the grounds there was no evidence or witnesses to indicate smith was a routinely violent person instead the high court noted a variety of mitigating factors in the evidence no prior criminal record no history of violence or misconduct in school the court also noted school records reflected smith's iq had tested at below 70 and when children at school abused him smith would leave campus rather than fight off Then fight yeah sorry and at a trial witnesses for both the prosecution and the defense had described him as a mild-mannered and gentle person according to the department of criminal justice smith is no longer in prison um i have tried to find his obituary i do believe that he passed away um i am not absolutely 100 percent certain about that but i'm pretty sure that he did <clears throat> but <clears throat> you know the bible says the sins of our fathers are the sins of our own but in my book we're out here breaking generational curses that's what gen x did you know and i feel like the millennials are doing the same thing we're out here breaking generational curses y'all when we begin seeking the face of god we'll soon realize that christ can take all that is behind us and make us righteous he can turn what was once pure evil into something extraordinarily beautiful every single one of us struggles with the demons we can't control But you see, it was never us that needed to control our own demons. Jesus commands us to come and lay all our cares on him, and he will create in us a new life. Through the consistent growth and maturity in our creator, we become something new regardless of our choices. Once we are saved, unless we turn our backs on Christ, deny his existence, we are a constant work in progress. And that's okay. Jesus didn't come so that we could be perfect he came so that we could be made perfect in his image he knew he was going to be that this was going to be a spiritual battle but for everyone surrendered to christ and doing the absolute best that they can to love god and love people well i just don't believe god is down there frowning on you regardless of the mistakes you've made in your past or the mistakes or sins committed you have committed by your lineage Christ promised to never leave or forsake you. He will never be in pursuit of your heart, mind, or soul as long as He will always be forever. I'm sorry, in pursuit of your heart, mind, soul as long as you're still breathing. A few years ago, the Holy Spirit began to lay a dream on my heart. He first sent me a dream about me and Jesus sitting in front of a wall of rubble and weeds, even some flowers growing up through them. Jesus was sitting to my left and I to his right. We didn't talk as we began to lift up one rock at a time and crush them. The deeper we dug into the, this rubble, the bigger the rocks and the taller the weeds. The roots were buried so deeply the ground would bleed as we slowly, painstakingly pulled them from the soil. Neither of us said a word as we worked side by side tirelessly. I learned through this dream that Jesus would be by my side as I dug through my past and learned to accept healing and grace things i'd done that i never needed to learn from or learn to forgive myself for those were the absolute hardest weeds to pull from the ground and some of the biggest boulders that made up this pile of rubble i'm barely even halfway through this wall because of the setbacks it has had on my mental health i have to take breaks and frolic about the sunflowers with jesus and eventually we will cross over to the other side i believe that will be the day i arrive in heaven the dream had a ton of symbolism, one specifically coming to mind about being heirs. We are heirs as Christ, therefore we will always be at the right hand of God. The right hand symbolizes a place of status throughout a biblical, throughout biblical text. When the Bible refers to Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father within the Godhead. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord, your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. The right hand of God is is often described as representing strength and justice, protection. In the Bible, Jesus Christ is referred to as the right hand of God. So the fact that Christ is the Son of God, a son is heir to everything his father owns. Galatians 4 7 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The illustration here is that we have sons, that we are sons of God. We are also heirs of God. The only route to become a co inheritor with Christ is by coming into a personal relationship with him by being born again. So our divine heritage stands or falls with Christ, right to the same inheritance, we are heirs. If we truly be heirs, so are we. And if he be not, neither are we. To be seated at God's right hand is to reign actively ruling over all the work and development of God's eternal universal kingdom. Jesus became human, one of us for a purpose, to provide purification for our sins. And when accomplished that the father restored him to his rightful place on the throne we became heirs to the kingdom of God having joined the body of Christ and spiritually set aside some of our personal differences to unite in a greater spiritual cause we say to all who have joined the church keep all that is noble good uplifting in your culture and personal identity The dead who repent shall be redeemed through obedience to the ordinances of the house of God. And after they have paid the penalty of their transgressions and are washed clean, shall receive a reward according to their works for they are heirs of salvation. No matter what you have done in life outside of, outside of, I think that says honoring the name of Christ, and then, oh, honoring the name of Christ and then denying him. That is considered blasphemy. Outside of this, we will be judged based on what we will experience, what we contribute or don't contribute to the kingdom. By living your life in such a way as to be like Christ, you can and will be able to reap, uh, rip up all the weeds and reduce the rubble. Don't let others condemn you based on how your journey is being walked out. I believe Holy Spirit convicts us each based on what we have become in our own lives, what we have become slave to in our own lives. When we reach the gate of heaven, we won't be judged for the sins of others, but for the ones we've personally been responsible for. Although I do believe that if our sinning, drinking, smoking, gambling, etc. causes another person to sin, then it's like double marks for us. I don't know about that my biological dad was a murderer but he was also mentally handicapped and struggled socially his iq was barely a 70 i don't know about you but somehow this brings tears to my eyes what if i had received the mental what if he had received the mental health care that he needed did he deserve to die do you think god will judge him differently did he cause someone else to sin at the end of the day he brutally murdered and raped a woman in cold blood and that definitely deserves reprecation but would miss cowan the woman he killed be alive today if his rebellious spirit had been tamed through mental health capacity and jesus did anyone ever tell him how much Jesus loves him? Some people believe he was incapable of committing such a crime, but not mentally intelligent enough to defend himself. Maybe he wasn't a cold-blooded murderer. Maybe he was just a simple son of God whom no one cared enough about to teach him his value. I have that same rebellious spirit in me. She thrives. Believe me, my husband has seen the evil sides of my personality, but I do know right from wrong and i thank god every single day that i have my intelligent and wits about me but it isn't physically mentally or emotionally easy to stare our demons down we all have them and i'm not talking about demon possession in the literal sense i'm talking about addiction demons demons of pornography sexual demons etc the ones that attach themselves to you and refuse to let go you know how bad these things are for you but we are all searching to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. From the moment we came into this world, we are constantly searching for ourselves in a chaotic mess. It's no wonder every corner we turn that Satan is using all the tactics he can throw our way to get us to completely turn our backs on God. But if no one ever tells you about Jesus and how much developing a personal relationship with him can change your life, then Can someone who struggles with an addiction and doesn't know Jesus go to heaven? If someone commits a sin and doesn't even know there is someone to save their soul, was it even a sin? Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the constant renewing of your mind so that you can attest to the perfect will of God. I pray that all of you have a wonderful day today and I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.